This week on the Dylan and Dylan Show, the Out of the Box Draft is a draft of players still in the NBA playoffs. Question and Answers covers our hot takes and overreactions from the MLB's first week and takes on the NBA's play-in tournament. This Week in Sports has the guys breaking down the NBA playoff series, dishing out regular season NBA awards, and giving their predictions for each series of the first round. to another exciting episode of the Dylan and Dylan show presented by Television Sports. Back at it again here for this Friday, April 14th edition of the show. DJ here as always, ready to get into another exciting episode of the show. DH with me as always. D- Dylan Holt, how are you doing today, man? <laughs> doing fantastic. Uh, coming off just a fantastic week. Baseball's back. The Cardinals have looked like the St. Louis Cardinals, which is nice. Three and one in the first week. Got a couple games canceled due to rain because the weather in the Midwest is absolutely insane right now. Uh, but that's okay. Got to go to Memphis and see the Grizzlies play this uh, this season or last Saturday for the first time this season. And that was just so much fun. Uh, Jock came back from injury on Saturday. It was very nice for him to do that with me in the building. I really appreciated that. Um, and the Grizzlies looked like the best team in the NBA. They just simply did. They scored 55 points in the third quarter. And I, I sat there and watched it. And I was like, that was a lot. It ended up being the fourth highest scoring quarter in NBA history. That was really cool to see in person. Uh, I got to see Zion in person. He didn't play. We're just getting to see Zion like the human being. I was like, whoa, that's a gigantic person. I was like, I want to see that guy play basketball. So hopefully in the future, uh, I get to see Zion play in person. But overall, absolutely great uh, to see the second best Grizzlies team in franchise history play their last real competitive regular season game. So they played uh, Sunday night, but they didn't use any of the starters. So it's really, really neat to see them kind of cap off their season and a fun blowout uh, victory over the Pelicans. And yeah, all the other stuff going on. Baseball's back, like I said, and the play-in tournament's underway, and we're going to get into that. And uh, you're listening to this on Friday. The playoffs are starting tomorrow. We got the play-in games tonight, and then the playoffs start tomorrow, and that's, man, the, the first day the NBA playoffs start, it's just, oh, it's perfect. And now that we've got, and we're going to dive into this more, but having to play in the Friday night playing games, it's just, it's a perfect, like, uh, teaser to what we're going to get on Saturday with the great playoff action that the NBA provides. Especially with first round, because there, there can be low expectations, which we're going to get into later. But there also gonna be, there's going to be series where we're like, we don't know. There's many ways it can go, and just, it's so, so exciting. I love the NBA so much, and I'm excited to dive into it today. Uh, but that's enough for right now. Uh, we'll get into all that later. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Doing well. I'm excited for everything. Excited baseball is back, just like you are. I'm excited Javi Baez and Spencer Torkelson are making their impacts on the Tigers roster already. Uh, excited for the NBA playoffs as well. So I got to ask if you saw this. Spencer Torkelson, uh, he played against Rich Hill on whatever day it was. Or I don't know if he played against him. It was a graphic. I, I don't, I'm not keeping up with the Tigers closely. But um, Rich Hill was drafted in 1999. Spencer, Spencer Torkelson was born in 1999, and that graphic was all over the internet. And I, I screenshotted it, I think I ended up deleting it. But I was like, I have to bring this up on the show because it's, it's just, it shows just the crazy 
difference between a, a rookie and a veteran in the MLB. Just like a guy was born and then a guy was drafted in the same year. We talked about this with like Tom Brady and Tristan Workers during the NFL season, but man, stuff like that's just crazy. Yeah, and it really shows the changing of the times too, because like when we were growing up, it when a player got drafted, no matter who they were, it took them at least three, four, five years to make it to the pros. But I think Bryce Harper kind of bucked that trend where it was like, all right, we can get him up there and he can be good enough. All right, and Torgelson was drafted in 2020. Here he is in 2022, where he's making his debut. So change of the times, love it all the way around. Uh, reminder to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out whenever you do that. Uh, it's all out of the box time. This week, the out-of-the-box draft is on theme with the NBA playoffs getting underway this week. We are drafting a starting five of the best players left in the NBA playoffs. Uh, pretty straightforward. Great list of guys, but it's the list of guys who are playing for something. So I think it's just it, it's a nice honor that these guys get their own draft, their own list, uh, honored by the Dylan and Dylan show. Uh, at, it's going to be tough to, to pick from some of these guys, especially uh, in the middle of the rotation. Uh, Dylan, do you have a coin or you want me to get a coin again? I do have a coin. I've got a nickel here, uh, oh. but I'm going to flip it. All right. So when you want tails, Your tails never fails. All right, here we go. That's tails. That's the, it's the capital in Washington. I think I got to so take, what? I think I got to take the first pick this week. All right, go for it. All right. With my first pick, uh, it's got, it's a tough one because there's so many good players, but I think there's a one, one A of all of these players, and that's Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm putting him in my floor, four spot. Uh, it's more of like I really want Giannis in my four spot. If I can get Giannis in that spot, there's it, there's kind of a drop off. I know we we talked about the rules. It's not going to be you can kind of be flexible with some of these players in their positions, but I think Giannis is the perfect position, or perfect guy to put at the four spot of the guys remaining, and he's. Easy Giannis onto the Kumpo. There's not much I can say that I haven't already said on the show about Giannis. I think he's one of the best players of all time already, and he's still got a long career ahead of him, uh, starting what could be another championship run with Milwaukee this year. So uh, happy to have Giannis join my team. I'll throw it to you for your first two picks. That was going to be my first pick. I wanted Giannis. I, I literally listed out like point guard through center, and I have like, three guys for most positions power forward was one guy and it was Giannis. I was like, I want the first pick I'm getting Giannis. So this puts my whole draft into a scramble. Um, I'm going to get my power forward and it's a small forward, but I'm moving into power forward. It's Kevin Durant. I, I think Kevin Durant is right up there with Giannis. He's one of the best players on the board. One of the best players still playing basketball uh, right now, as we head towards playoff time, uh, Katie's I mean, it's Kevin Durant. It's the slim reaper, whatever you want to call him. He, he's the man. Kevin Durant might be the greatest scorer of all time. He's a guy you definitely want uh, on your basketball squad with the round ball if you can have him. And joining him, I'm going to get another forward. I'm going to get greedy with the forwards. I'm going to get Jason Tatum. I, I think Jason Tatum, I'm going to have him at the three. Uh, KD at the four, Jason Tatum at the three. Uh, I think Tatum's the future of the league. I really do. I I, I like to think that John Morant's a guy that's going to have the league on his shoulders. I think Jason Tatum's that guy. I think he's going to, uh, whenever KD and LeBron kind of fade away, they get older and they start, those type of guys start retiring. It's going to be Jason Tatum's league. And I think it's going to be that way for a long time. People forget Jason Tatum's really young. And he, he's been at, playing at a high level for a long time. I think him and the Celtics are poised to have some success in the playoffs. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, and he's matched up in the first round with my other pick, uh, Kevin Durant, which is just going to be so much fun to see him uh, face off in the first round. But yeah, KD and Jason Tatum, that's, I, I love having, getting them back to back. They're both awesome. 
awesome forwards, and I'm very excited to have them on Team Holt. I'll throw it to you for your next two picks. Yeah, I think with Tatum and the Celtics in general, a lot of people have just forgotten about the Celtics. And they're the number two team in the East. I mean, they're and that defense is something to behold. So I, I think a lot of teams are sleeping on them, especially matching up with the Nets in the first round. But we're going to get into that later. I think that's a, a series to watch for sure. Uh, with my next pick, I'm going to get my guards locked up. I think there's a couple guards that I really want to get. Uh, with my first pick, I'm going to go with the two-guard spot. I'm going Luka Doncic. Uh, you could probably put him at the three. You could probably put him at the one. I'm going with with him at the two I think he kind of where with the way he would fit into my roster I think he's the perfect two guard where he's going to be catching off the dribble and making stuff happen and you can put it in his hands and he can make stuff happen there you can put him in the post that's the great thing about Luca. he can do basically anything that you ask him to do and do it at a high level so I'm very happy to have Luca in any NBA draft right now if you can have Luca Doncic on your team you're doing something right so I'm going to take Luca. And move on to my point guard spot. I'm going with Steph Curry. I think it has to be Steph Curry. And just the thought of getting Steph Curry and Luca at the one and the two is something that just makes me it, it, it makes you want to it makes you want to go buy 2K, make a roster of that team, and then put them together because it sounds like it would be so much fun to have Steph running the pick and roll at the one running it and then having Luca in the corner to catch, come off the dribble, do all of those things. It's almost like Clay Thompson 3.0 because it's like he, he can do so much more than, and that's not dogging on Clay. I think Clay is a one of a kind type athlete, but that just is so how much Luca can do and put Steph next to him. That, that would be so much fun. Uh, it, it would be a lot of fun. So I'll put Steph and Luca as my one and my two next to Giannis. And I'll throw it to you for your next two picks. When I made my list, I knew I forgot somebody. It was Luka Doncic. Somehow Luka slipped my head. I have no idea how I forgot Luka. And that, yeah, Luka, a thousand percent, deserved to be a top pick in this, and Luka's awesome. Obviously love the Steph pick as well. He's one of the all-time greats, one of the best point guards ever. Um, I'm going to go center here because we have a couple, I'd say three just elite centers in the playoffs, and I hope I'm not forgetting anybody. But um, I'm going with a guy that I think – I mean, when you talk about the best center in the league, it's 1A, 1B. I think it, it's there's two guys right at the top. I'm going to go with my guy. I'm going to go from the Denver Nuggets and Nikola Jokic. I, I think Jokic is a, he's a MVP. He's a guy that can do literally everything. And when you can get a guy like that that can move the ball at the five position, it's hard to pass it up. And where you can have a seven-foot point guard, basically, and Nikola Jokic can have guys like KD and Jason Tatum moving off the ball and letting Jokic feed them, sign me up. Uh, Jokic does things with uh, we've seen Jokic thrive when guys like Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray have been off the court imagine him with teammates like Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum that's terrifying to think of Uh, I I love Jokic's game I I really think it's between him and Joel Embiid 1A 1B as not only the best center but maybe the best players in the league they've just been so good the last two or three years Jokic and, and Joel Embiid are just awesome and I assume I, it's either going to be Embiid or another guy is going to be your center. I, I assume it's Embiid. Um, and then I guess, I guess I'll go point guard. Um, I, I, this is going to be no surprise to anybody. I'm picking Ja Moran as my point guard. I, I had to, uh, I didn't know if you were going to pick Ja. I mean, it would be a good pick. Um, so I had Steph as a backup, but yeah, it's, it's Ja Moran. Ja took a huge leap this year. We've talked about it a million times on the show. He went from a star to a superstar. He turned into an MVP candidate at times during the year. Obviously injuries kind of derailed 
uh, the momentum he had kind of early March time. But I mean, Jock kind of lost his momentum uh, and it, it, all of his momentum kind of got derailed by injury after his just incredible start to March and that run he had late in February where he was just like deciding to go out there and break records every night, became an MVP candidate kind of early March, but injury derailed it and that's okay. Uh, he came back last Saturday, like I said, and he nearly had a double-double in like 21 minutes of action, just crazy stuff. And a game that was supposed to be basically him like getting his legs back for the playoffs. He just looked phenomenal against a good Pelicans squad. Uh, so I obviously I'm very happy to add Ja Morant to my team uh, featuring Nicole Jokic, Kevin Durant, and uh, Jason Tatum. And I'll throw it to you for your last two picks or one pick? Two picks. Just one yeah, pick. the two picks, two picks. Two that's picks, cool. two picks. Yeah. Still got to get my center in there. I think it's a kind of, you know, a default. Yeah, I'm going to go with Joel Embiid for my center. Uh, I, I actually would have picked him probably first overall. And I think it is kind of just, you know, you're splitting hairs at this point, And that's a, a vote. For the MVP, I know we're going to give out our, our MVP awards, but if I had to give a real vote out, I don't know how I would split the hairs between the two of them because I see the benefits of both. But when you're giving me Embiid, you're giving me the scoring champ. You're giving me a guy that averaged a double-double. I'm, I'm fine with taking Embiid as the, the second center there. Like you said, it's it's a 1A, 1B situation there, and it's almost preference at that point. With my last pick, I actually am going to mess with it a little bit. I'm going to slide Luca down to the three because I want to take – Donovan Mitchell in my two guard spot. I think a lot of people have overlooked Donovan Mitchell kind of a lot. Like they've overlooked Jason Tatum. It's like the jazz are so solid. They've been so solid for so long. Uh, And Donovan Mitchell, he's been so consistent. It hasn't been something that has jumped off the page since really his rookie year. It hasn't been something that's been like, Oh wow. I couldn't believe Donovan Mitchell did that, but he averaged 25 or 20, almost 26, five and four this year. I mean, that's, that's incredible. I mean, that's, that's something that wouldn't be, it's just because he's done that so many times, it's so consistent. It's like, Oh my God. But I mean, if you look at his basketball reference page, it's 26, five and four and like one and a half steals every year. And that's just, if you could tell me I could pick up a guy like that. I mean, that's kind of what we're hoping for that Cade Cunningham developed into is someone that can give you those types of consistent numbers. And he's been doing it since he got into the league. It's really, he was a rookie. He was already averaging 25 and four. And then that's something that you, I think too many people overlook. I know there's guys like James Harden who are, you know, flashier players put up more numbers, but he's so consistent and he plays both sides of the ball and it's helped a jazz team be very, very consistent in Utah of all places. So uh, I'm very happy to add Joel Embiid and Donovan Mitchell to my team. I'll throw it to you. You got one more pick, right? I do have one more pick and I'm happy uh, you picked Donovan Mitchell. I I saved my shooting guard because I didn't know where to go. I was between Donovan Mitchell and this man. And I'll have honestly one more, Uh, but I'm going from the Phoenix Suns, Devin Booker. I I was really stuck between Donnie and Devin Booker because I think they're both phenomenal. And like you said, I think a lot of people overlook uh, Donnie. But uh, I'm very – I mean, I would have been happy with Donovan Mitchell or Devin Booker. I think Devin Booker's incredible. Obviously, he stepped up. He's emerged as the leader of the best team in the NBA. I mean, it's hard to scoff at that. Uh, points, people mentioned him in the MVP race, which, there. I mean, we talked about Embiid and Jokic. Those, it's going to be one of those two. It was always going to be one of those two, Embiid or Jokic. But, I mean, the things Devin Booker did this year with CP3 being – 
in and out of games, being hurt, and Devin Booker really emerging as the leader of the best team in the NBA, that's huge. And, I mean, we've seen the strides from Booker from going as a bench player at UK to now, I mean, being a bona fide superstar in the NBA, uh, He, I mean, he's a, obviously a stud scorer. He can get a bucket whenever he wants to. And that's huge to have. And uh, speaking in terms of Team Holt, adding him to a lineup that includes John Morant, Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, and Nikola Jokic, Oh my goodness. And I'm just imagining like Jokic being the facilitator and having off ball jaw with off ball Devin Booker and off ball Kevin Durant and off ball Jason Tatum. Man, that's a deadly lineup. I'm really, really happy to get Devin Booker as my final pick at shooting guard. Um, did you have any uh, alternates picks you didn't get maybe? Yeah, only a couple. We we covered most of the guys that I would have picked. Uh, I went down to Harden at four in case, you know, the, the two and three spot were could have been flexible for a lot of the guys. That's why I had Luca there. But uh, I had Harden down in case, you know, Mitchell and uh, Deep Book went somewhere else. Uh, I also had Jimmy Butler down at the three spot, kind of just, you know, in case. And, and Jimmy Butler, again, uh, also in the vein of, you know, Tatum and, and uh, Donovan Mitchell, where kind of get overlooked for what they do, but they're very consistent and they help a, a very, very, very good team in Miami win. Uh, and then I also had Aaron Gordon down at the four. I didn't think it would have to get down to that, but like the four spot is a little rough, but Aaron Gordon has been playing very well this year. So don't, don't overlook him if you need a good four, but any picks that you didn't get on. Yeah. I, I had CP three down as a like backup, backup point guard. I, I don't know what I was thinking. It was going to be John or Steph, but I, I don't know. I, I had an emergency and then I had Anthony Edwards also down. Cause I, I think I just kind of want to give Anthony Edwards a shout out. He's really good. And I think in a couple of years, Anthony Edwards is going to be a guy that's like, yeah, you have to pick Anthony Edwards. Uh, and then DeMar DeRozan, that's a guy that just this year just improved so much might be a first team all NBA guy. I mean, and he, I, it kind of got to a point where I, with Giannis being picked, I was like, all right, I'm going to take Tatum and KD. But uh, DeRozan was there in that three spot, and I, I very much considered picking him. Uh, but, yeah, I had to consider DeRozan. And then Cat, Carl uh, Anthony Towns. But when you got the two MVP favorites, he can't. Uh, that's no no diss to Carl Anthony Towns at all because he's awesome. But Yoka can be – they're on a different level right now. So, yeah, those, those were all my alternates. Uh, and we have to do this on 2K. We have to construct these teams and like make DJ jerseys and DH jerseys and like let these teams go at it in like a seven game series because they're like the best teams ever. Yeah, we might have to. We might have to get a simulation going and get some of those highlights out on social media. But awesome stuff as always. Moving on to question and answer the question and answer segment of the show. Uh, we're going to move on to baseball real quickly here because my question is surrounding the first week of baseball. We were really happy to get into the stuff last week, get into all of our predictions. And now baseball is finally here. We've gotten a week of games and. From my point of view, I'm just wondering, Dylan, what stood out to you from the first week of games, and what's your biggest kind of overreaction from the first week of games? Oh, boy. I've got three things. One, Nolan Arenado might be the best baseball player on the planet. And I know this is an overreaction, but this is not including the Milwaukee Brewers game that is being played right now as we record, which the Cardinals aren't looking great. Hopefully they have a nice rally and we're celebrating by the end of the night. I doubt it, though. Um, but through um, Tuesday's games, because they didn't play yesterday against Kansas City, uh, 438 batting average. That's insane. Uh, 471 on base percentage. He has seven hits, three home runs, nine RBIs. That's insane. 
That's through four games. That's really, really good numbers. That's the Nolan Arenado we expected to come to St. Louis. That I mean, he was really good last year. It wasn't like this right out the gate where it's like, oh, my God, this guy's incredible. This is Nolan Arenado, the Hall of Fame third baseman, the best in the game. And that's what he looks like. And I, I know a lot of people expected Nolan to come out and have a really good year. It really looks like he's going to have an incredible year. And I'm really, really excited to watch it. Uh, I know it's probably a very, very much – just a huge overreaction to a four game uh, sample size where the teams that he played against were the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Kansas City Royals. But I do not care. I think Nolan Aaron Arenado is that guy. And I'm excited to watch him for 158 more games or whatever it is. Um, number two, the St. Louis Cardinals are not too old. Their old guys are performing. Albert Pujols looks good. He's 42 years old, and he, he, he might be like the third best hitter on the team. He, he seems consistent at the plate. Obviously, it's very early in the season, but Pujols looks all right. I was very, very concerned that it was going to just be like, we're going to roll Albert out on a red carpet, and he's not going to do much. He's actually, like, performing. Um, I know the other night against Kansas City, hitting a home run in the first inning, I was like, okay, that's cool. That's all Albert will do tonight. No, he, he, had, he went three for four with three hits, including the homer. I mean, he's a huge reason they won that game. Um, Adam Wainwright having a rough outing uh, as we're recording right now against the Milwaukee Brewers. But on opening day, pitched seven shutout innings, had like nine strikeouts. And then Yadier Molina seems to be timeless. He's still like impossible to run on, and he's he's going to be Yadi. I, I believe Yadier Molina is like the Tom Brady of baseball, where he, he could probably play forever. He's not going to. It's his last season, but I really think he could. I'm going to move on from my Cardinals for my last hot take. Um, the unwritten rules of baseball are garbage, but I think they're all right in some instances. This is my hot take. I've been anti-unwritten rules, but – and I don't even know if this goes with unwritten rules, to be honest. But um, pitch counts are all right, especially early in the season. And this, this goes a lot with the Clayton Kershaw stuff that happened in Minnesota. He had 80 pitches, and he had a perfect game through seven innings. And Dave Roberts said, getting out of here. And I think that's okay. We're so early in the season. And I know a lot of people were upset. They're like, he has a perfect game. There's only been 23 in history. How could you do that? Clayton Kershaw, especially with the lockout, like, you can't do that. Clayton Kershaw, that's the guy. You can't risk him getting hurt this early in the season on a team where if they don't win the World Series, it's a failure. So they can't have Clayton Kershaw go down this early. I, I think that's a okay. I have no problem with that, especially with it being his second start and him not getting the innings that he needed to get in the spring. I have no problem with that at all. And it, he went over his pitch count anyways. He had 75 pitches and he did 80. I mean, I just, I have no problem with it. I know it sucks. I know we had a chance to see history. I don't think he would have got the perfect game anyways. Cause I think the Milwaukee, uh, the Milwaukee, the Minnesota twins lineups too good for that. I think they would have got a hit uh, off Clayton, but who knows? Uh, those those perfect game scenarios, things get wonky, they get weird, um, but I, I have no problem with it. Uh, I think some of the unwritten rules are uh, really lame and that they're old baseball purists being like all sticks in the mud, but uh, the pitch counts and the pulling pitchers because it's early in the season, that's okay. I'm lumping that in with that. I, I think that's a okay. I know a lot of people aren't, and a lot of people it's it's the it's the modern baseball. It's for sissies and all that. No, we're we're gonna keep Clayton Kershaw pitching baseballs for a while, and I think that's okay. It's a long season. It's gonna be all right. I, I think Clayton Kershaw's plenty good. 
he's going to be in scenarios like that again. I have full faith that Clayton Kershaw is going to dominate many more lineups this season because he's Clayton Kershaw. But, uh, yeah, those are my hot takes. Uh, pitch counts are okay. The Cardinals aren't too old. And Nolan Arenado, he, he's the best baseball player alive. Uh, what are your hot takes for one weekend to the MLB season? Yeah, just to piggyback off of that, I mean, uh, with the Clayton Kershaw stuff, I mean, if anyone's mad other than Clayton Kershaw, I think they're just – being ridiculous at this point you've never you, you probably have never thrown a baseball for more than like a couple of minutes because trying to throw a baseball for you know over a hundred times I, I don't care at what level you are if you're even lobbing the ball your arm's going to be sore much less a dude that throws 90 90 some miles per hour 80 some mile per hour sliders and had a le- had a shortened spring training to work off of that's a big thing that people are forgetting that the spring training got shortened and that was when pitchers and catchers are usually way ahead of everyone working on their stuff. And it's going to be a lot of this. It might go farther into the season where the pitch counts are limiting guys, because we didn't have that off season that's on the lockout. And that's, that's stuff we're going to have to worry about. But like, yeah, if, unless you're Clinton Kershaw, you don't really have the right to be angry about that. Uh, moving on to my hot takes, really my first hot take. Uh, it's really short. It's just, I'm happy that the Tigers lost out on Carlos Correa because it ended up getting us Javi Baez. I think the 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 personality mixed with the talent that Javi Baez is is just so perfect for Detroit. And you saw it in that first day when he hit that uh, what was a walk off hit that ended up being called out at first and then getting overturned. Uh, you could just see the energy and you could see how he already fit in with that team. It was so obvious that like they, there's already a love between Javi and his teammates and teammates towards Javi. So it, it, and with the way that he's played early in the year, he hasn't hit the ball extremely well to start the season, but uh, you've seen some of his defense. He's flashed his glove. He, he's shown that he's still Javi Baez. He can still get it done out there. So uh, happy for that. My real big hot take. And the thing that I really wanted to get across on this is I don't think that Vlad Jr. is just the best player in baseball right now. I don't think that – I think Vlad Jr. and Vlad Sr. are the best father-son combo in any sport, period. I don't know if anyone even comes close to what Vlad Jr. and Vlad Sr. are on right now because it, it really comes down to do you think Ken Griffey Sr. and Ken Griffey Jr. were good enough to overcome what Vlad Jr. and Vlad Sr. are? And obviously – uh, people overlook what senior did in his career uh, because of what Griffey Jr. did, but Vlad Sr. was an absolute beast. Hall of Famer, former MVP, nine-time All-Star, eight-time Silver Slugger, 2,590 career hits, and almost 500 home runs in his career. And now you've seen Vlad, Vlad Jr. come in, and what he did in Yankee Stadium, just uh, I think it was last night or maybe two nights ago, was the pinnacle of being the best player in baseball walking in against Garrett Cole, the highest paid pitcher in the league and torching three home runs, not just hitting three home runs, absolutely torching three balls as hard as I've seen anyone hit the ball this year, three times and making it look so easy. I I, I haven't seen a guy like Vlad jr. Come in and like live up to the expectations other than like Shohei last year, when he started doing what he was doing last year, Vlad has done that now going in from last season into this season. I think we can guarantee like he's good. He is one of the best and he's going to have a very, very good career. And I don't know if there is another father son duo out in sports history that competes with Vlad senior and Vlad junior. I, I, and I'm going to stick to it. If they continue on this path, there'll be no one even close. It'll be 
Vlad Senior, Vlad Junior, a big gap, and then whoever you list as the second and, the, and third, because it, it's 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 wild to see how good Vlad Junior has has really just taken the reins of baseball so far. Because I think I, I go, I mean, it's I know it's early in the season, but it's like he's already been the, the story like three of the four nights. So it, it's just. I, I think we were both right on when we picked him as our MVP and, and I'm just excited to see what the rest of the season could become for Toronto and Vlad Jr. I don't know if you saw this, but you were speaking on Wednesday night when Vlad went crazy at Yankee stadium. Uh, it was put out on Twitter. Vlad Guerrero hit three home runs Wednesday night at Yankee stadium, which was awesome to see. His dad had 449 career home runs, Vlad senior in 2,147 career games. He never hit three home runs in a single game. And Vlad Jr. did it Wednesday night at Yankee Stadium. The pinnacle of baseball is where his son ended up doing it. And it's very young into Vlad Jr.'s career. I thought that was a really, really neat like snippet of just showing how good the father-son duo is, like you mentioned. And he's already done something his dad couldn't do. And that legend is just going to grow and grow and grow. Vlad Jr. has been a superstar since he was in the minor leagues. And now he's he's slow, not slowly, quickly becoming the face of baseball. And it, it's I'm all for it because Vlad Jr., he just – he's cool. He, he is so cool. He just oozes charisma and swagger, and I'm all for it. I've been all about the Toronto Blue Jays for the last year and a half, and I – I love this. I'm just all for Vlad Jr. being the face of baseball, just being the man. Yeah, absolutely. I've uh, I, I'm right on the on the board with you. I, I don't. I still think the Rays are probably the team in the AL East. I'm going to stick to my prediction as of right now. But it's tough to root against that that Toronto team. There's so many fun faces on that team. So uh, we'll move on to your question. Yeah, uh, I'm going to move back to basketball because a lot of basketball going on right now with the NBA and everything going on. Uh, we've seen we haven't completed this play in tournament yet as we've got the games tonight uh, to fill in the final spots, the eight seeds in the east and west. But we've seen multiple play in tournaments now. What are your thoughts? Because we saw the one last year. And I, I thought last year's was really good. Uh, and then we saw the, the trial one in the bubble where we only had one game. Uh, but now we've seen this is our second real installment of the play-in tournament. What are your thoughts after seeing multiple of these uh, play-in style tournaments? Well, I think it's definitely a good idea. Like the idea of creating something for this first round or pre-first round that adds excitement to, to is definitely something that that's beneficial. And I think that all of the league should at least look into to it a little bit. We talked about it a few months ago, but I think that, you know, the NBA kind of took this idea from the MLB playing games that they had with the, you know, with the wild card stuff, they saw the, the fun that can be had from a one game you're in, you're out situation uh, and built on it. And I think that's the excitement that you, that you've brought. I think part of what the NBA and teams have to fix about this is like the real feel of, you know, these teams really making a difference in the playoffs, because I think that's the big thing, you know, we're going to be picking the playoff series later and yeah, there's some play in games that we haven't seen the results to. I don't think it's really going to affect how we look at the the series that we have to pick. I think that's a big, the only big problem that, that draws back from that is like when you're watching these games, it's fun and exciting because these teams are meant to be at about the same level and they usually are. And it usually creates for some from fun games but uh at the end of the day you're kind of 
in the back of your mind going, well, neither of these teams are really going to compete for the finals. Neither of these teams are really going to upend the Bucks or, uh, you know, outside of maybe the Nets because the Nets are a different type of team. But uh, that's that seems different. And they when you watch that team play in the play in tournament, it didn't seem like they were a play in team. They didn't seem like they belonged there. So I think while it does create some of a, a different feel and, and excitement and obviously a lot more people are tuning into these games than probably even they will tune into some of these first round games because they're uh, they mean a little bit more to a lot of these teams and they have a, a lot more excitement for that reason. But uh, it's just like the, you know, figuring out how to give those teams a, a real feel of actually mattering in the, in those large ski large scope of the playoffs is what's going to be the big thing because uh, until like, like when you go to March Madness and they have their playing games until UCLA did what they did last year, making it into the final four, it really didn't feel like those games mattered. Even when they made it, you know, 11 seeds playing into the games, those games didn't really feel like they mattered because none of those teams really felt like they had a chance. Now UCLA has done it. And now we've seen that, that, that it's possible to go that route and actually, you know, kind of makes it some noise. So uh, I think it'd be helpful if maybe a team like Brooklyn this year does, you know, make some noise after, you know, making it out of the play tournament. But again, like I said, they're a different type of team. They didn't feel like a playing team. So I, there's gotta be some type of balance struck there where yeah, I love the excitement. I love the idea of it. And it obviously gives you something else to watch and something else to cover, but uh, there has to be a, a, a balance struck between giving those teams, you know, a real chance because it, it just doesn't feel like they do. It's not like it's their, the fault of the, it's just, that's how it is when you've got teams down at the eight or nine seed competing with teams that are going to be at the one or two seed in their conference. So I think it's fun. I think it's definitely a step in the right direction and every league should look for their form of this, uh, but there's some tweaks that they could uh, use to make it better, but uh, I'll throw it to you. What do you think? So I love the play-in tournament. And obviously, like, last year was incredible, watching what the Grizzlies did, being the Spurs first, and then that Friday night contest against the Golden State Warriors where I I really think that was the first step where Ja really – took the Grizzlies as his own and became started this journey to become a superstar where he went head on with Steph and Draymond and went to Golden State and beat the Warriors when a lot of people thought it wasn't going to happen and the Grizzlies punched their ticket. The plan, I think it has a special place in my heart because it was really like, it's going to hold a special, like it's like the starting point of like the legacy of this young Grizzlies squad because they played in the first ever playing in the bubble against the the Trailblazers, which was an awesome game, uh, if you remember back to that. And then what they did last year in the play-in with the Spurs and then the Warriors, like I mentioned, that awesome game at Oracle Arena. It's not Oracle Arena, the new arena uh, in Oakland. But uh, I I think that it sticks out my head because I've just seen fun games, and that's what I think of. And I I think it presents – for the NBA, a wild card situation, like we mentioned earlier, like with baseball. And I think that's important because that's something the NFL has and something the MLB has. And I don't think a lot of people are looking at it like that because the NBA already has so many teams in the playoff. They have 16. I mean, it's more than half the league. And then adding in uh, two more teams in the play-in, it's a lot. But, I mean, who cares? Let's get the best team to win the championship. If they're getting hot in April, hey, if you if you got enough wins to be the uh, 10 seed, let's ride. Um, I, I'm all for it. I, I think there are two teams uh, that were playing teams this year that could make runs. Uh, Brooklyn, like you mentioned. And, I mean, if the Clippers put everything together, that's the Clippers, man. Like, I, if they win tonight against the Pelicans, they're going to run into a buzzsaw. 
of the Phoenix Suns. But, I mean, it's still the Clippers. That's a team that's that's a, that's a winning organization over the past decade. As weird as that is to say, that's that's a team that's won playoff series. And I, I don't think you can underestimate that. Um, obviously, the personnel is completely different because it seems like the Clippers change their personnel every two years at this point. But um, I, I think, like you said, if if a team is able to come out of the play in and make a run, people will take it more legitimate. And I, I really think that could happen this year with the Brooklyn Nets or the um, Los Angeles Clippers. I, I think the Nets are probably more likely because the East is – the East is good. I think the East is better than it has been in a while, but it's still not the Western Conference. The Western Conference is just a buzzsaw. Those, all those teams are just so good. Uh, I, I just, I think it adds more fun basketball. Basketball is such a, a sport where these winner go home games are just so much fun. Where it seems like every basket counts and everything. It's just so much drama behind it. It's just basketball. It's it's a sport that serves that style of play, and I'm all for it. At least. I think the playing tournament, the success it's had, and obviously the games tonight will play a huge factor in this with how good they are uh, between Cleveland and Atlanta and uh, New Orleans and L.A. Um, I think it's going to open up lanes for what Adam Silver really wants to do, and that's like midseason tournaments, and I am all for it. I think uh, international soccer does it. I don't get it. Why not? I, I really don't. I think it's just it just adds more fun. And if they're able to implement a thing like the Champions League, which is kind of been hinted at, uh, that would be awesome. Where you just have the best teams playing like a round-robin tournament during the middle of the year, I'm all for that. And they get another trophy. Like, why not? Like, if we can get good sports on all the time, let's do it. And specifically basketball, I'm for it. And if, that, if the play-in tournament is the avenue that opens this up, we have one cool thing opening the door for another cool thing, I'm – all for it. I, I think Adam Silver does an amazing job as the commissioner of the NBA and the play tournament is going to like, I, I truly believe the play tournament is going to be like on his resume when they put him in the basketball hall of fame. They're like Silver introduced this to the NBA in 2020 in the bubble. And it ended up being a pivotal part of what the NBA is in 2050 when Silver goes in the basketball hall of fame as he'll deserve at that point, because Adam Silver's the man. And I will always praise him when I get a chance. But, yeah, I love the playing tournament, and I cannot wait to watch the games tonight. Yeah, awesome stuff. Uh, speaking of the NBA playoffs, we're going to move right on to this week in sports. We've got breakdowns of each of the playoff series. I've got a breakdown of each of my of the Eastern Conference games, while Dylan has a breakdown of the Western Conference games. Uh, I figure we'll go series by series, just kind of throw it back and forth between the two of us. So I will start with the Raptors and the 76ers to start off. And I think this should be – Somewhat of an easy run for the Philadelphia 76ers, but I will say quite like Boston, some of these other teams that we've talked about, uh, Toronto gets slept on and it shouldn't be that way. Uh, Pascal Siakam isn't, isn't necessarily the star that everyone wants, but is a very solid, consistent player to build around. He averages 22, eight and five. That's nothing to scoff at. And then you got Van Vliet. You've got Ananobi. You've got rookie Scotty Barnes doing what he's done this year, who has been very, very good for that team. Uh, and that is, this is a team that has potential down the road. If you keep that core uh, growing together, there's still, I mean, Siakam's young. Van Vliet's kind of like in his prime. Ananobi's young. Scotty Barnes is so young. I think he's like 19 or 20 years old. I mean, that is going to be uh, a very, very good team down the road and the Raptors beat the 76ers three to one in the regular season series. So that's, I mean, that's a team that has the 76ers number and I haven't like Philly hasn't jumped off the page to me at any point this year. That being said, 
they do have one of the best players in the in the game right now. So I do think they have the the ch- better chance to win. I'm still favoring Philly going into the series with Embiid going up against whoever the, the Toronto tries to throw up against him. I think he's going to be too much. And then you've got Harden as a safety net. I think both of those guys will be too much on the offensive end. But I, I will say this. Don't be surprised if this series goes six or seven games because I think the Raptors are slept on. The 76ers are a bit overrated. Uh, I, I don't think they've necessarily hit their stride yet. They they necess- they could, in the playoffs, hit their stride and really become the team that everyone thought they were going to be. But Let's see them do it against a good team like Toronto first, and then we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'll throw it to you with uh, whatever you want to go first with in the West. Yeah, people forget that the Raptors won the NBA championship like three years ago, and a lot of the people on that team won a championship three years ago. Nick Nurse was the head coach. Like, don't sleep on the Raptors. Like, I I think the Sixers are the better team, but the Raptors are not going to be an easy team to put out. Uh, the, The Raptors are a really good organization. Um, I'm going to go four or five as well. Dallas and Utah. This is going to be a weird series. And I think this is going to be one of those that might put you to sleep at night because there might be some bad games. Um, Luca is going to miss at least two games. Probably he's going to be resting that. Uh, and that, that's the weird thing that the, they didn't say like he's out with the injury. They said they're probably going to rest him. And that just feels like weird terminology to use, but that that's the report that came out to let uh, rest his calf injury. Um, and, I mean, if Dallas believes they can go and play Utah, it'll be the first two games at home in Dallas. I mean, Utah's a team that's been at the top of the Western Conference the past five years, been at the top, and now this year as a five seed, they're right back there. Um, Utah's got all the chemistry issues, all the stuff with Rudy and Donovan, all the in bickering, and everybody's like, what's going on here? You guys were the most – cohesive unit in the league and then now it seems like everything's falling apart uh and now they have a chance to steal two games at home or, or on the road with Luca out so there, there's a lot of moving parts in the series and I, I think it could be really really wacky I think Utah could very well be up 2-0 going back to Utah for game three and Luca could come to the equation and then everything gets wacky and I I'm all for it I think that series very well is going to go six or seven games because there's going to be so many moving parts with Luca. Is he playing? Is he not? Um, and I, I think that's going to like change by the day, by the minute. And I, it adds to the drama of the NBA playoffs, and I'm all for it. Um, I think overall Utah's probably a better team, but you can't bet against Luka Doncic. And the things Luka's able to do is just incredible. And if he's able to play four games – for the uh, Dallas Mavericks, you have to imagine the Dallas Mavericks have a chance to win four games uh, and advance to the next round. But Utah, I mean, Utah's a team that I don't think anyone, if they're not a Jazz fan, pays a lot of attention to because the Jazz, they're just kind of out there. They win games. And if your team's not playing them, you don't really watch them. And they just win. That's what they do. And I would not be the least bit surprised if they put in a great coherent effort. Quinn Snyder does an awesome job preparing for these playoff series. Uh, I, I really this I really think it's gonna be a wacky like seven game series where it's like after every game we're like okay they they've got control and then the next game it's like a ping pong battle I, I'm I'm I don't know that I'm excited for this one because I think like I said I keep saying I think it's gonna be wonky but it's it's gonna be interesting I think it's gonna be a really really interesting series that's gonna be one to definitely watch out for yeah Dallas Dallas Utah I'm intrigued I think that's the word to use intrigued uh, by Dallas Utah the four five in the West. 
Yeah, definitely intriguing with the Luka injury. We're going to have to see how that one plays out down the road. Uh, I'm going to move on to the 3-6 matchup in the East. I got the Bulls and the Bucks. Uh, I think this has the potential to probably be the ugliest series of all of the ones in the East because, like, I like the Bulls. I really do, and I enjoy when a team can go out, put a, put together a roster like the Bulls did this offseason, and make things work. They really did. They were one of the hottest teams in the league for a long time this year. Uh but the Bucs have maybe the next LeBron on their team with Giannis. I think he legit could take over the league for the next four or five years. And like I said, in the draft, when I drafted Giannis, this might just be another start on the Bucs. You know, I think they are clearly the best team in the East right now. Uh, even, even with the, you know, they, they finished in the three seed. They're the more talented team between the, them, the heat and the Celtics. I, I still think the bucks probably have the most talented roster of any of those teams. So, uh, I think, you know, you've got Giannis. I don't know if anyone on that bulls roster is going to slow him down. And even if they did, I, I still think Middleton's probably the next best player. I know, I know we talked about DeRozan and I think it's either him or, and it's probably DeMar, but we both had Middleton in our top 25, and I don't think either of us had DeMar in our top 25 of the preseason. So it's a close, you know, it's cutting hairs at that point. And I I just think the Bucks are just, we've seen them win a championship. Obviously, they're coming off their, their championship. We know what they can do. The Bulls are a relatively new team. I liked it, what they've done, but I still think this is the, the Bucks series to lose going into this one. I think they have the best chance to make, to have a dominant first round showing of any of the teams in the East, even at the three seed, I think they have the best chance to do that. So throw it back to you. Yeah. I'm going to go three, six as well. I, I think the bucks, like you said, they have a chance to dominate. I I really think they do. I think Chicago, Chicago's a team that they were at the top of the East. It seems like for a while this season. And then they kind of, the the wheels started to come off. They they became the bulls. They became what they are. And and that's okay. The bulls, they're they're not the top team in the East. And they unfortunately are going to face a buzzsaw in the first round of the defending champs. I think the Bucks are going to be mad that they're not getting the respect they deserve. Um, the 3-6 in the e- in the West, a little more intriguing than the 3-6 in the East. Uh, Golden State and Denver. That is that is a really, really exciting series. You got former MVP Steph Curry against former MVP Nikola Jokic. Um, if Jamal Murray plays, which it really looks like he's going to play, this could, I, I think this series could really, really look like uh, the Denver-Portland series from last year and the year before where it was Dame Lillard and Jamal Murray trading buckets. That could very well be Jamal Murray and Steph Curry trading buckets with Jokic going to work down low. I, I think it's going to come down to can Golden State stop Jokic? And not really anybody can. So it's going to be interesting to see what Steve Kerr does. Uh, whether he enlists Draymond Green to try to get in his head or what he tries to do. Because Jokic's going to be a problem for anybody in the West. It doesn't matter. Uh, so Golden State's going to have to figure out a way to slow Jokic down. They're not going to uh, neutralize him. They're, they're just going to have to figure out a way to some somewhat slow Jokic down um, and maybe neutralize everybody else on the floor. Um, so it's, it's going to be a really fun series. Golden State Denver, it's it's gonna be the bee's knees, man. Like I hope it goes seven games. It's gonna rock. I, I'm all for it. I don't care who wins. 
I just think it's going to be good basketball, and that's all you can ask for out of the NBA playoffs. It's going to be must-watch television every single time they play, and they play at like 9.30, and the game won't end until 1 in the morning, but that's okay because it's going to be awesome. It's going to be vintage Steph Curry. It's going to be vintage Jokic, which, whatever that means. I don't know what vintage Jokic means because he does everything. I, I'm just excited to watch it. It's going to be a blast. Uh, Golden State Denver, that's mark that on your calendars every night they play because you need to go out of your way to watch it. Um, I'll throw it to you for your next Eastern Conference series. Yeah, I'll go with the last one that's set in stone for now. We've got the two versus seven matchup between the Nets and the Celtics. And I believe that this is going to be one of the most fun series of the NBA playoffs. I think Nets Celtics is kind of a fun, unwritten, untalked about rivalry in the NBA. Uh, it goes back to when the Celtics fleece the Nets out of all of those picks for Paul Pearson and uh, Kevin Garnett. Uh, and then when Kyrie left Boston for Brooklyn, I think it kind of reignited that like, oh, I don't really like that team very much. I don't really think I like that team. And I think that's that's where the good rivalries come. It's not even like the players necessarily don't like each other. It's the fan bases that don't like each other. They're kind of intertwined within each other's stories too much. They kind of have to hate each other. And that's kind of what it brings out, you know, what is – going to be a very different type of series. You've got Boston, who's kind of built on defense and and not a star player, but a lot of very, very good players. Jason Tatum might be their star, but he's very young. And they've got they've done just a very solid core group of team players that is getting them to the second seed in the East. And that's nothing to scoff at. And then you've got a loaded team like Brooklyn with KD and Kyrie, and they might get Ben Simmons back. There's thoughts that Ben Simmons might come back for like game four or game five of the series. So they could have three of the best players in the NBA on their team by the time that the series is over. Uh, I do think it's Brooklyn series to lose at this point. I feel like the Nets have so much more talent that it should be their series. Just getting into the playoffs was really the big problem for Brooklyn. And now that they're here, I think they should be favored against everyone but the Bucks, and then whatever comes on the west western side but again like we said Boston is slept on we got to remember what happened in the regular season they were the second best team in the east I think people forget that Boston is a very very good team and they do things well that could mess with what Brooklyn does well Brooklyn's a very offensive dominated team and Boston's got a very, very solid defense. Marcus Smart is going to be a hassle to deal with for Kyrie Irving. I am excited to see that matchup more than anything, I feel like, because I'm sure that their personal personal relationship isn't the best after what how Kyrie left Boston. Uh, so I'm interested to see how this series plays out. I think it's a way more interesting than people are giving it credit for. I think it could easily go seven games. Uh, and it's, it's one of those classic NBA David versus Goliath stories where like no one's giving the Celtics any, any chance of winning this game, even though they're the better team based on record. I think it's going to play. I think it's going to be one of the most more fun series to watch and definitely uh, be ready for that one. Whenever it comes on TV, be ready to watch the Nets and Celtics. Cause I think you're going to get, like you said, must watch, must watch TV every time they, they take the floor. Uh, throw it back to you. One of your last two series out in the West. So like the two seven in the East, the two seven in the West, I think is also going to be really good. I, I think it's kind of slept on because Unlike the two seven in the East, where it's like two teams that have kind of established themselves at the top of the Eastern Conference, like the Celtics, like everyone expected the Celtics to be good. Everyone expected the Nets to be dominant, and which they're kind of flip flopped. I think um, Memphis was supposed to be good this year. There was no doubt about that. Everybody thought Memphis was going to be solid. The two seven in the West, uh, Memphis, Minnesota. It's 
it's two teams that this is not a matchup I think anyone expected in the first round of the Western Conference playoffs because I don't think anyone expected Minnesota to be here. I think Minnesota's ahead of schedule, and that's okay. It's kind of how Memphis was the last few years. And I think it presents a really, really fun series. I don't know how deep it will go because I think Memphis is just simply the better team. Uh, but this is a series that's going to be really chippy. These teams do not like each other. Watching all the games they played this year, these teams really don't like each other because both these teams have big personalities and they clash. They, I, The Grizzlies have got a lot of praise by some people, criticism by other for the culture they've uh, created. And it's that similar of like a college basketball team because all the guys are so young and they're, they're ride or die with every game. There's so much emotion. Minnesota's kind of similar, even though they're led by a guy like Pat Bev, who's a veteran at this point, and he's just a junkyard dog. Pat Bev is something else. I, I saw a really interesting stat. Every year that Pat Bev's been healthy in a starting point guard, his team has gone to the playoffs. That's crazy. Like, Pat Bev didn't play on the best teams in the world. Like, he played on the Clippers, who were always decent, played on the Rockets, and then now with the Timberwolves. I mean, that's that's really, really commendable by Pat Bev. He, he is a guy that – he lays it all on the line, and that's what he's going to do in the series, guarding John Morant. And he has made problems for John Morant every time they've played this year. Uh, John's ja, worst games came against the Timberwolves. Averages 21-7 and seven against the T-Wolves. I, I imagine John's going to use that as motivation for this series, but uh, we will see. I, I think I think it's going to be fun. I don't think it's going to go that deep. I think you're going to see a lot of emotion for both sides, which makes for fun basketball. Um, I, I think we're going to see the emergence of Anthony Edwards and he might become a household name due to this series, because I think, I think Ant's going to have some special performances. You can definitely expect special performances from my cat. And I could definitely see D'Lo going off a time or two, because that's what D'Lo does. D'Lo might not be the most consistent player in the world, but you can count on D'Lo hitting some big buckets and having a big game. Uh, so I'm excited to see that, but I, the Grizzlies are just better, I think. The Grizzlies are really, really good. They do the small things, they do the big things, and they just win basketball games. And that that's probably going to be too much for Minnesota. Unfortunately, for uh, the fellows up north in the – what do they call Minnesota? I don't know. The Up where – towards the Mall of America. They're, they're, they're that people. I don't know much about Minnesota. Twin Cities, I think, is what they call it up there. But yeah, St. Paul and Minnesota. Yeah, Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so on to the one versus eight series. If you're listening to this on Friday, you know what the series is going to be because we don't on Thursday. We have not seen what Atlanta and Cleveland have done. And I do think it matters which team wins that game. I still think Miami wins regardless, but I think Atlanta poses a few more risks than Cleveland does to a team like Miami. Trey Young is a legit star. I, I, we talked about him last year a bunch. I talked about him a bunch in the NBA roundtable. I'm a fan of what Trey Young does, and I think he provides a special type of mismatch for every team that he faces. There's not – a real team that I think has a perfect one-on-one -on -one guard matchup for Trey young. Uh, and then when you got guys like Deandre Hunter, he's seemingly coming into his own as, as the uh, season has gone on. You got guys like Danilo Gallinari and Kevin Herter providing double digit scoring performances in playoff games. If you've got that happening for you, they're going to be a real tough out, even for a team like Miami, who I think is very, very good and very, very solid. Uh, I I think Atlanta probably gets past Cleveland tonight. Uh, that's a tough matchup. I, 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 I just liked what I saw from Atlanta the other night. So I think Atlanta probably does. And if 
Atlanta against Miami, I think, is a tough matchup for a team like Miami. I, I just think there's so many mismatches in so many different ways that the Atlanta could make that series interesting. Uh, so I think as fans, we should root for Atlanta to make it just because it's going to be a lot more fun to watch that series than it would be Miami versus Cleveland. I think I think Cleveland's just kind of a worse version of Miami at this point. They, they're a little bit younger, a little bit, you know, give them a few years and they'll have basically the same thing. But uh, I think at, at this point, Atlanta poses a few more risks than Miami does. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I'll throw it to you for the one versus eight in the West. So I really think this is going to be Phoenix versus LA. I don't think the Pelicans are going to be able to beat the Clippers, but who knows? I, I mean, basketball is a sport where if you get a, a winner go home scenario, you literally throw everything out. And I mean, you, you can't really tell. I mean, it's going to be in LA. I, I think this is a game where Paul George steps up and leads the Clippers into a playoff scenario, uh, seven game series against the Suns. It doesn't really matter. I, I, like I mentioned earlier, like the Clippers are a team that have cultivated a winning culture. It doesn't matter. The Suns have had an incredible season and it's going to keep on ticking. I, like I could try to make an argument for the Clippers all I want. It's, or the Pelicans. It doesn't matter. The Suns are the Suns are a buzzsaw, and it's going to be a task for any of those teams in the West to beat them. And I don't think the struggling Clippers or Pelicans are going to be that team. But who knows? They they might surprise me. But I think the Suns are a different beast for the entire NBA, not just the West. The Suns are something else. And Devin Booker and CP3, DeAndre Ayton, and everybody on that squad is going to be fired up to defend their Western Conference crown and. God bless the Clippers or Pelicans, whoever's going to have to put up with them, because it's it's going to be a task for whoever has to do that. Absolutely. Uh, that wraps up our NBA playoffs previews. Be sure to be watching out and see how we do on that and see if we broke down that stuff good enough and well enough as, as the series go on. We're going to move on to some of our predictions, the picks part of the This Week in Sports, starting with our regular season NBA wrap up with the NBA regular season awards. We're going to pick the rookie of the year, defensive player of the year, most improved player and MVP. I'll throw it to you, Dylan, to start uh, rookie of the year. Who's your rookie of the year? The man from Detroit, Cade Cunningham. I, I feel like the rookie of the year was a really tight race, but, and the three guys I had at the top were Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes and Cade Cunningham. And I think that that's basically in everyone's top three. And the thing that made me go with Cade was, he doesn't have teammates like Evan or Scotty do. And that there's a reason those guys are playing in big time games right now. Cause they're on good teams and Cade's not. And Cade was still able to um, put up good numbers and produce. And I, I think Cade was number one pick for a reason. And he's a stud and he looks like he's going to be a future star and he deserves to be the rookie of the year. Cade, Cade Cunningham's awesome. And I'm going to let you talk about your guy. Cause I know that's your pick. Yeah, absolutely. People have started to look, uh, I don't know. I think Mobley just kind of got crowned the rookie of the year way early in the season with the way that the Cavs were playing. And, uh, you know, I think uh, part of it is that the the style of Cade Cunningham and the, the aura that Cade Cunningham had coming into the league, you kind of expected more of like eye popping performances because he was such a uh, vault. You know, everyone was, he was obviously a number one overall pick in a really talented draft. We've seen guys like Jalen green perform really well at the NBA level, but that's not what we expected of Kate Cunningham. If you know what he was, he's a very consistent, very pro ready guard. And that's what he showed. He averaged 17, five and five as a rookie. That's ridiculous. Those are, if you were going to just say, Hey, 
we're going to sign someone to your NBA team that averages 17, five and five for his career. You'd take him. You'd probably put him in your starting lineup. And that's a rookie in his first year in the league. Uh, I think no doubt Kate Cunningham is the rookie of the year. I think he blew Mobley out of the water a long time ago. Uh, and I think it should be no question that like, he is the best rookie by far. Uh, I think, yeah, there's been guys like Jalen Green who've put up like 40 point performances, but no one was as consistent night in and night out from the rookie standpoint as Katie Cunningham. So I think he should walk away with it. And if if he doesn't, I think it's an indictment on the voters this year because uh, I think it's I think it's pretty obvious. And I think if they give it to Mobley, it's more of a this was the storyline of the year versus who the actual rookie of the year was because yeah, Mobley might have won it in December and January. But when you look at the entirety of the season, Cade Cunningham was obviously the best rookie. So uh, we'll move on to defensive player of the year. Who you got at the DPOY? He's not going to get it, but he's getting my DPOY. Jaron Jackson Jr. from the Memphis Grizzlies. He has been so good. And obviously I'm biased because I watch the Grizzlies every night uh, for Ja. But Jaron Jackson, his progression from the last few years to now, where he is the defensive anchor of a top five defense in the NBA, leading the league in blocks, uh, like total blocks, blocks per game, blocks percentage, like all of that stuff is insane. Setting the Grizzlies record for blocks in the season, like doing all those things, I mean, it's incredible. Um, the Just the progression he's made. He's like second in defensive field goal percentage. That's awesome for a guy that's like – you see him, and it's like he shouldn't be able to move the way he does and get to shots to block them or affect them. And uh, as a center, he's third in three point contested uh, or three point contest percentage. Very weird way they phrase that. I have to throw that out. Um, but his ability to get on the perimeter, he he can guard guys anywhere, and that's huge for a guy that's trying to be defensive player of the year. Um, I think Jared Jackson, his impact he makes on the defensive end is a huge reason why the Grizzlies are the two seed in the West. Um, that, I mean, he's my pick, no doubt in my mind. I think guys like Marcus Smart and Bam Adebayo deserve to be in the argument, but I, I think it's Jaron Jackson's award. And unfortunately he probably won't get it, but he got Dylan Holtz defensive player of the year. Who is your DPOY? Kind of hope he wins it too, just so the the storyline behind Jaron Jackson Jr.'s finish in Mount Pla- or not in Mount Pleasant, East Lansing gets even worse because that's one of the one of the favorite things of Michigan fans to bring up is uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. was sitting on the bench for most of the the upset against Middle Tennessee State because Middle Tennessee State was running a zone, so they needed I think it was Ben Carson to run the middle and shoot jumpers rather than. Six foot 11, five star recruit Jaron Jackson Jr., who was then a lottery pick, and then maybe a future defensive player of the year in the in the NBA. It just would add to that storyline. My pick is the the easy one. I talked about him earlier. I'm going with Marcus Smart. It's just uh, there's it's tough. The defensive player of the year award is tough because there's not a lot of stats to go off of. You just kind of have to have a feel thing. The Celtics were the best defensive team in the league this year. And Marcus Smart is the heart and soul of that defense. He has been the heart and soul of that defense for a long time. Uh, I think he's, he's gotten credit for it in the past. And we obviously are always focused on what his offensive game is like, because it's, it's a little bit more raw than his defensive game, but we need to give him his flowers for his defensive game. He is the best lockdown defender at the perimeter uh, of any player in the league. And I think, I think that's always the harder way to go. I, I think there's so many big men that could deserve the, defensive player of the year award because you know shot 
shot blockers and rim protectors are a whole different thing, but to guard some of these guards that are in the league nowadays, like when I watch Kyrie Irving play, I mean, the fact that someone has to stay in front of that man while he's dribbling a basketball is incredible. So for someone like Marcus Smart, who does it at a very high level, that always impresses me more than like a seven foot guy that has a lot of blocks. So I'm going with Marcus Smart. I think he's just been the heart and soul of the best defense this year. Uh, I think that's an easy pick. Uh, kind of the, yeah, the simple pick, but probably the one that will end up uh, being coming true of all of my picks, to be honest. Uh, we'll move on to mo- most improved player of the year. Uh, interesting group of players that you can choose from for this one, but who's your MIP? I really hope they don't give it to John Morant. There's been a lot of steam around that in the last like week or so. I That shouldn't happen. John Ja is the most improved player, but don't give it to him. Give it to another guy that actually deserves it. Um, and the guy I'm going with is point guard from the San Antonio Spurs, DeJounte Murray. I, I mean, I don't think anyone expected DeJounte Murray to be an all-star this year. That That's the kind of leap he had. He went from a guy that, like, of course, like, people knew about him. People knew about DeJounte Murray. He's a young point guard who I thought of as, like, this athletic guy that can play defense. And he's turned into the leader of the Spurs. just a dominant franchise in the NBA. Obviously they're not what they used to be. They're the 10 seed in the West, but uh, they're in the play-in because of DeJounte Murray and what he was able to do with that team Uh, and averaging 21 points per game. I never thought DeJounte Murray would be a guy that averaged 21 points per game, no matter how bare that uh, Spurs roster is. And then throwing nine assists per game. I mean, that guy, his progression has just been incredible. Um, I, I think it's DeJounte's award. I understand there's other guys that deserve to be in the race and there's guys that are very deserving, but I think the progression that DeJounte had and doing it under the radar without a lot of people watching and kind of the Spurs being in just weird positions and them still going out there and just playing Spurs basketball, DeJounte Murray becoming that guy. I, I think, I think he's the guy he's continuing that Spurs legacy in the right way under coach pop. So yeah. Go with DeJounte Murray, point guard of the San Antonio Spurs. Who do you have as MIP? So I said it was an interesting group of players, and it's because I checked the odds before I started this. I had someone written down, and he wasn't even listed in the odds. And I'm still going with him because I think he is the most improved player in the NBA. It's Jordan Poole. I think Jordan Poole is by far the most improved player in the NBA. And people don't remember he was in the G league last year. Dude wasn't even a warrior last year. He was a Santa Cruz warrior last year for most of the year. Now he ended up coming up. He averaged 12, one and one for the warriors last year. He's averaging 18, four and three for a very good warriors team. And the fact that he's kind of slipped in, taken the role of clay Thompson and somehow for some reason, people are just kind of like, overlooked that they kind of just see the Warriors as what they used to be. And it's like, Hey, Jordan Poole is the two now. It's not Clay Thompson. It's Jordan Poole. Uh, I think a lot of people have overlooked that. And just, like, he has been amazing this year. He has been no question. One of the most improved players in the league. And it's as a Michigan fan, it's been awesome to see a guy like that who, even when he was coming out as a sophomore, I think a lot of people and even, even Michigan fans were like, I don't know. It seems a little early. I think he has some, some things he could iron out, but he's a guy that shows that the G league is something that can work because he may have come out a little too early, but he went to an organization that could use him in the G league that the way that he should have been. And now look what he's doing. He's a starter. I mean, there's very few teams that I would like say that I would say that he wouldn't start at the two guard for them because he is that good that he would probably overtake most two guards on most teams right now. He's playing that well. 
Uh, so I think he should be a runaway most improved player of the year. I know guys like Ja, I, I think you could give it to Ja, but I don't, I don't think he's the type of guy that deserves that type of award. Like you said, it's, it should be a guy like Jordan Poole who was in the G league last year, or, or a guy like DeJounte Murray, who has been overlooked his whole career. Um, I, I, I think Jordan Poole deserves the award. I don't think he'll get it just based on what, what I'm seeing, but I, he, needs, he at least deserves a couple of votes. If he doesn't get a couple of votes again, I'm going to be like, what, what's going on with this voting process. All right. Moving on to the big one. It's MVP time. Dylan, who is your NBA MVP for the 2022 season? The starting center for Team Dylan Holt, Nikola Jokic. I had to pick him earlier. I, he's my MVP. Like I was sitting there, I was like, do I pick him beat or Jokic? I'm like, I, I I picked one of these guys as MVP. I should probably pick that guy. Uh, Jokic. I mean, I, I know Embiid obviously is also having an historic season, but Jokic averaged 27 points per game. 13.8 rebounds per game and 7.9 assists per game. That's insane. That's a sinner. And that's a guy that's like people look at him and they're like, oh yeah, he's not the most athletic guy in the league. He's he's just the, the big white sinner. And he's doing these things. He's just, you know, being the best player in the league. It's just incredible to watch. Jokic's just he's so much fun to watch because he it's he kind of breaks the stereotypes. It's like he doesn't look like he should be the MVP of the NBA, but he is. The things he does, he's magical. It just makes no sense, and it just brings joy to me. I don't know. I just really, really enjoy watching Nikola Jokic and everything he does, uh, and being able to raise his play with injuries all around him. Because the Nuggets, man, they have not been healthy since last year's playoffs. When we started the Dylan and Dylan show, it seems like they have not. It's just been Jokic. And he's just been able to still be yokic and do his thing. So that's just, I think it's really commendable. Him averaging 7.9 assists with the crazy roster they and the, the lineups he's had around him, it's just insane. I, I always think that's awesome. When Even like Cade Cunningham averaging five assists on the Pistons, that's awesome. Because there's no telling how many different lineups and guys were around him. Guys that Some guys that might not even play on other teams. Like I always think that's awesome seeing those assist numbers. So yeah, I, Jokic's my MVP, but I, if you have the other center or anyone else, I, I understand it. Cause I think this MVP race was really tight, but uh, I went with Jokic. Uh, who do you have as your uh, MVP? Yeah. For the most part of the second half of the season, I think I had Jokic as my guy. Uh, I think these last few weeks I've swung into the Embiid camp. Uh, and I think, it's just for the fact that the, the few things that Embiid did that really will make the season stick out when we look back on it. He was the first center to lead the league in scoring since Shaq back in the day. First center to score 30 or so points in a while. And I think, uh, you know, I obviously we've been in awe of what Jokic can do as an all-around guy, as a distributor, as a rebounder. But any NBA player that averages 30 points a game to me, especially in this day, it's it's crazy to me to think about like averaging 30 points a game not because if someone put up 30 points a game it's a notable thing and if someone puts up 30 points it's like all right that's a that was a really nice game scoring wise but to average 30 points a game against nba players who are game planning for you night in and night out especially a team like philly where you know harden's going to be out for from time to time so you're going to have to take the bulk of the scoring on for most of the time and and he still does it i mean he's done it for years and years now and i think the big step he made was obviously leading league in scoring but he also 
that defense, he was really good on defense this year. 1.5 blocks and 1.1 steals per game. I mean, you're averaging at least a statistic on, on defense every time. I mean, that's, that's stupid stuff for an NBA player like that. So I, I think when you look at it, Jokic is probably the more important player, but who had the better season? I think Joel Embiid just had a little bit better of a season. So I, I will give my award to Joel Embiid. Like we talked about in the draft, it's a 1A, 1B situation. I I would not be surprised if either of those guys won the MVP. I would not be surprised if somehow there's like a tie this year. Like they somehow tied in voting and they just gave two MVPs out this year because I think you are so splitting hairs. Those are two, obviously, the best players in the league. And it's cool, like swing we've gone i feel like it was very guard heavy for a really long time in the nba and then there was obviously the threes and fours that have done their thing uh, it's very much a center's game right now we, you're trying to find your Jokic or your Embiid, and uh, i think it's very cool like like you said i mean carl anthony towns is a legit talent people sleep on him because there's two one-of-a-kind type centers in both in both leagues right now so it's 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 fun time it's a fun time the resurgence of a new type of big man in the NBA that can, that can be looked at. I mean, there was for so long, so many people talked about the death of the big man in the NBA. It's like, no, the two best players are both big men, both centers, both over seven feet. So I think that's a, that's a cool thing, a a cool trend to see in the NBA. And I think it's going to keep going that way as more talented big men get into the league. All right. And now we're going to get some predictions in for these series. We've got, a bunch of fun series. You heard our breakdowns of them. Now we're going to tell you what we think is going to happen in them, who's going to win and how many games it's going to take. So Dylan, I'll throw it to you. Do you want to start in the East? Do you want to start in the West? What do you want to do? Let's start in the East. Um, I'll start with that heat series. Um, I'm going to say it's heat Hawks and I'm going to take the heat in six games. I think the Hawks could push them. I really do. I don't think the Heat are like this dominant one seed. I think the, the Hawks could push them to six games, but the Heat still get it done. Uh, who do you have in that one? Yep, for the Heat and the Hawks. So it it's tough. So I do have two for this one. The other one I don't have two written down. But uh, so for if it is Heat Hawks, I have the Heat in six or Heat in seven because I think the Hawks can push that to a seven game series. Uh, but if it's the Cavs, I do think the Heat get that done probably in five. I Like I said, I think the Cavs and the Heat are very similar. The Heat are just like a couple years down the road. The Cavs just have a couple years to grow into what the Heat are right now. Uh, so I think the, the Heat will get that done regardless of who they play, but uh, the Hawks definitely provide some uh, bigger challenges to the one seed out there. Uh, moving on, let's go to the two and seven. Who do you have? Nets, Celtics. Nets, Celtics. I'm going to go Celtics in six. I think this is one that's going to surprise a lot of people. I, I like you mentioned the Celtics defense. I think that's going to be a real game changer and the de, the defining thing of this series. I think this is going to be huge for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's legacy. I've just the Celtics have been the best team in the league since the All Star break, and I, I think they're just going under the radar. A lot of people are looking at the Nets like they're the Brooklyn Nets. Ben Simmons is going to be back for Game Four. That might be too late. And I, I think the Celtics team is really, really good. And I, I think they might be the best team in the East. And that might age poorly. But I, I think I really, really like the Celtics team. Obviously, I talked about Jason Tatum early in the show. Uh, I, I think he's going to be the X factor. This is going to be kind of his moment to rise to even farther 
uh, of the list of names in the NBA and just become a household name, which is what the NBA playoffs is all about. You get these young guys making their name, and he's got a chance to do it against Kevin Durant. I mean, not not much of a bigger stage to have in the first round, especially in a 2-7 series. And it feels like the biggest stage of the whole first round. But yeah, uh, Celtics in six. I, I think that I really think the Celtics can get it done. I think it's going to be an awesome series. Uh, who do you have in that 2-7 matchup? I also have it in six, but I have the Nets in six in this one. And I think the big difference here is going to be KD against whoever they face on. And I, I'm sure it's going to be Jason Tatum for the most part, but they're going to probably have to throw two guys at him because I think we've seen in the playoffs for a long time now, it, it takes a very special dude to slow down KD in the playoffs. It, when he is going, he is maybe the most unguardable offensive player that's ever played in the league. And it really took, you know, his foot being too big last year to knock them out of the playoffs last year. I mean, and we can talk about how Giannis played him. It really was just like his foot was a couple inches too, too big. And he stepped on that line. Otherwise the Nets could have won it last year very much. So, so I think, you know, they've had their ups and downs this year, but once they got over the, you know, Harden Kyrie, that dynamic wasn't working. Now they've got Kyrie back full time. They've got KD. They find, kind of found that rhythm that they needed to, to be the team to give me enough confidence that they can be that team moving forward. I don't know if it's coherent enough to maybe get past a team like the Bucks down the road, but I still think they found just enough to get past a team like the Celtics. Uh, but like I said, that's going to be a really fun, that's going to be a really fun matchup to watch all series. Cause I think those two teams do not like each other for a variety of reasons. So a lot of fun there. We'll move on to the bucks and the bulls. Who do you like in that series? Bucks are going to break up the brooms. Lots of bees, bucks, brooms, bulls, bucks and four. Uh, yeah, I'm going with the sweep. I, I like the bulls. I think they have a fun team. They don't have lots of ball. Uh, I think that hurts them a lot. And it's Giannis. It's the defending champions, man. I, I don't think, However rowdy the United Center is going to be, and I'm, I'm sorry to our friend Colby Marcio, but I, the Bulls aren't going to have it this year. It, it ain't happening. The Bucks and Ford, the the Bucks are going to be dangerous in the East again. I, I re, we both like the Bucks team a lot, and I I think they're going to. It's like the same team. Why would they not just keep running? I mean, Bucks and four Bucks brooms Bulls four games. Bucks are winning, advances to the semifinals. Who you got? Yeah, I think this is going to be an easy one. Like I said, I think the Bucks are the most talented team in the East right now. And like I said, the Bulls are fun. They're not good enough to slow down the Bucks uh, for probably not even a game. It's because I also have a sweep. I also think the Bucks could have done it for. I think that's going to be pretty easy. Moving on, uh, final matchup. Or, or no, no, we already got the Heat matchup done. So we're going to move on to the Western Conference now. We got Sixers Raptors. How did I skip over the Sixers Raptors? That was the first matchup I had written down. The Sixers and the Raptors rounding out the Heat or the Eastern Conference. Who are you liking that matchup? They could meet the Heat in the second round. Who knows? That's where I was going with that before my internet cut out. Um, Sixers Raptors. I think this series could be fun. Unfortunately, for a very fun Raptors squad, it, I don't think it's going to be much fun for them. I think this series is probably going to go like five games because Toronto is going to win a game at home. Toronto, Toronto, when they play home playoff games, they've got the entire country of Canada in Toronto. I, I think they call it Jurassic Park, that little area outside uh, the Air Canada Center. It's going to be a raucous environment. No one likes the 76ers. Like no one, no fan base in the East likes the 76ers. So it's going to be bananas at Jurassic Park. 
And I think Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, and the boys are going to steal a game, but it's not going to matter. Joel Embiid, your MVP, and James Harden. And that, like, the Sixers are weird because they have the two stars, and they have so many good role players. They're, they're just going to be too much. The Sixers are going to keep rolling, and we both have – or I assume you have the Sixers. They'd be rolling into a matchup with the Heat in the second round, which – could be really good. So, yeah, I got uh, Sixers and five, I guess. It could be six. It doesn't matter. Sixers and five is what I'm going with. So I do have the Sixers, but I have the Sixers and six, and I think that this is going to be – I have a weird – this is one of those ones where, like, I have it mapped out in my head specifically. I think the Raptors take the first two games of the series. They upset the 76ers first two games. Everyone's going to be talking about, oh, the 76ers are overrated, and then Embiid's going to kind of find his groove. It's going to take them about six games – to find their rhythm, but they will find the way to get past the Raptors eventually. But people are going to give the Raptors a bit more respect after that, after they get those first two games, it's going to be like, okay, the Raptors are not a bad team. They they've been overlooked for the whole season. I think uh, they have a chance, but 76ers are, are built to, to do more than the Raptors are built to do. I think the Raptors are ahead of schedule. Like you said, uh, with uh, which team, the Timberwolves. They're a lot like the Timberwolves, a little bit ahead of schedule. Uh, a few years down the road, I think they could be very good, but I think it, it, a bit too much for the 76, for the Raptors right now to get past the 76ers. We'll move on to the West. We'll move on to that 1-8, the Suns versus the Clippers or the Pelicans. I think you got the Clippers. So what do you like in the 1-8 versus eight out in the West? I'm going to do the meme. Suns in four. I've got the Suns sweeping the Clippers or the Pelicans or whoever they play. They could play... Sierra Canyon Canyon High School and Bronny could be out there. It doesn't matter. The Suns are going to win in four. They're going into the Western Conference semifinals on fire because it's the Phoenix Suns. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre. We didn't mention DeAndre Ayton with all the good big men. DeAndre Ayton's awesome. He deserves his flowers. They're gonna they're gonna be awesome. Like if you don't, if there's like one series that you're listening to this right now and you're like, man, I just can't make time for all these series. It's going to be whoever the Suns play. They're going to win all four games. And it's the Suns. They're so good. I'm excited. I'm not excited for this series. I'm excited for their second series. That's how confident I am in them. Suns in four. Yeah, I think the Suns get this done pretty easily. I don't think the Clippers or the Pelicans, even at their best, even if they put together their best games through four games, could get past the Suns. I think they're just – uh, like I said about the the 76ers, they're built a little bit better than those other two teams. They're built to go a little bit farther. So I think the Suns get that done pretty easily uh, without much of a sweat. We'll move on to the Mavs and the Jazz. Who do you like uh, in that series? I'm going to go with the Dallas Mavericks in seven tough games. I think Luka Doncic is going to have to hit like a clutch bucket late in like game six in Utah for them to stay alive. And then they'll go back to Dallas and get to have a game seven where they have a million people in that arena. And Luke will have a classic outing and just add to his legend. And I just hope the Mavericks win. The Mavericks are more fun because Luka's fun. And the Jazz are just weird. They're in a weird spot. They're probably going to break up this summer. It, it's kind of sad. It's like we're seeing a band fall apart, and Donovan Mitchell's going to end up somewhere else. Or Rudy, I assume it's going to be Donovan Mitchell. Rudy Gobert is a guy that's kind of alienated by the NBA community, which is a topic we can talk about a different day. But um, it's yeah, it seems like this is kind of the end of the Jazz's road uh, as where they've been the last couple of years. And it's kind of sad because they had so much potential and it seems like the road's going to end in the first round in Dallas. So yeah, I got Mavs and seven. 
I like the the seven pick, but I do like the Jazz in seven in this one. I do think the Jazz are just a little bit. Uh, so my big thing with these matchups is like, if you're going to be built around one player, let's make sure that that player is going to be healthy and available for the entire time. And like you said, with Luca sitting out the first two games, that really like I don't I do not like the Mavs roster minus Luca. So that's like a big problem. And I don't think the Jazz. Uh, like obviously the jazz don't have that problem in terms of like, they don't have an injury, but even if they did have an injury, they wouldn't have the same problem that the Mavericks do in that situation. You could lose Donovan Mitchell. You could lose Rudy Gobert. I would still think they had a serviceable team good enough to compete with the Mavericks. So I think that's going to be the big issue is like, just get, I, I think sitting Luca for the first two games means they're giving two games to the jazz. And I don't like taking any team that's going to give two games away at the beginning of the series. So I do think, once Luca comes back, he makes that he obviously makes that series a lot different. The Mavs go on a little bit of a run, but I think the Jazz end up closing it out in seven games. I think they end up getting it done. Uh, so I like the Jazz in that one. Moving on, we got Warriors and Nuggets. Who do you like in that series? Uh, I'm going to go Warriors in six. I think all the experience the Warriors have is just too much. That with them just having everything in the world, Steph Curry, uh, just being Steph Curry, if he, if he can be Steph Curry – it's going to be hard to beat the Warriors in a series. And I, I like the Nuggets, but with them just being in a weird space with injuries and will Jamar Murray play, will he not? Obviously, I think Jokic's the most valuable player in the league, but it's hard to beat the, any uh, addition of the Warriors. And when you have a Warriors where Steph Curry's clicking, Jordan Poole, like you mentioned, stepping up and being a, just a, a heat seeker off the bench, if that's what they need be, or in the starting lineup, having Clay Thompson ready to go, if so be, and he can come in and knock down a million shots because he's Clay Thompson. And then obviously Draymond Green's going to frustrate whoever he's guarding. So I, the, the Warriors are a headache for whoever has to play them. And unfortunately, We've seen how the Nuggets have performed in the playoffs the past few years with how their, their lineups have been weird due to injuries, and this might be a, a similar situation this year, unfortunately. And I, I think the Warriors can be too much for them, and I, that's why I have the Warriors in six. Uh, who do you have in this one? Yeah, I got the Warriors in five, and I talked about the Nuggets, uh, I want to say about a month ago now, and we were talking about the, the potential return of Jamal Murray. It was around the All-Star break, I think, and it was like, when Jamal Murray comes back, we might have slept on the Nuggets and – forgotten how good they are well it's a bit too late now I think you needed him back kind of like maybe a two weeks a week going into the playoffs to at least get his feet underneath him you do not want your be your first games in over a year going up against Steph Curry and the Warriors at this point I don't care who you are I know Jamal Murray is a very good player I know Jokic is going to be putting him in great situations with his passes I just don't think you want to have to do that while also guarding one of the greatest scorers in NBA history and probably the best shooter in NBA history. So I don't think the Nuggets really have the roster to get over the Warriors. I think with a lot of these series, it's like one roster is built to last in the playoffs while one was built to get to the playoffs. I think the Nuggets were built to get there. The Warriors are meant to to compete for, for championships. So I think the Warriors get that one done pretty easily. Warriors in five. And then, Finally, wrapping up the Western Conference, your Grizzlies taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, I'll throw it to you. I think I know where you're going with this one, though. What a perfect way to end this. This was not planned at all, and we're ending with the Grizzlies. Um, I like Grizzlies in five. I think this series is going to be a lot of fun. I I think it's going to be a really fun five-game series. Might go six. Um, I think the Timberwolves are good. They're just ahead of schedule. And, that, and that's okay. Uh, like I said earlier, I think Anthony Edwards is going to have a coming out party. 
uh, this series. He's going to be awesome. I could see him going for like 50 one game. Like he, Anthony Edwards is so special and we don't get to see him play enough on uh, national television. And I hope this is a wake up call to like Adam Silver that teams like Memphis and Minnesota deserve to be on national television. They deserve to be on TNT, not the Lakers who are on every night. And like, I, I love watching LeBron James. You're going to see LeBron no matter what, because of Twitter, you see every single thing LeBron does on Twitter. Let us see Minnesota and Memphis, these two young squads that are really good at basketball. I, I'm excited for it. I, I, I just think the Memphis is a buzzsaw that Minnesota is going to run into. I've been using that analogy a lot, and I'm going to stick with it. I, I think the M- Memphis is just going to be too much. This is a team that's been fired up for the playoffs the past two months, and they're not. I don't think they're going to have a letdown. They might. Who knows? But uh, I, I think Memphis in five games. Uh, I have a lot of faith in this faith in this Memphis team, and it sets up a second round matchup with Golden State, which has become a rivalry, and I'm all for it. It, it sets up a lot of fun stuff in that second round. But yeah. Memphis and five. I'm not going to get ahead of myself and talk about the second round. Uh, who do you have in this uh, 2-7 matchup? I, I w- we were getting these picks together right before the show. I, I said Grizzlies in three. I don't think the Timberwolves are anywhere close to where the Grizzlies are at this point. Obviously, can't do it in three games. I'll take them in four, but I – I will say, like, I do think what what you said, like the national media needs to give a little bit more credit to some of these teams. Like, I don't think the Timberwolves got any credit at all during the year about being like on the precipice of making the playoffs. That is very far from where they were just a year ago. I mean, they were not a very good team last year and, and people were ready to write off Anthony Edwards as a number one overall pick. And then all of a sudden they're a playoff team and everyone just wants to kind of forget about them. So I, I think, Yes, they're ahead of schedule. Yes, they're going to run into a good team in Memphis. And I think, again, it's one team was built to last in the playoffs. One team was built to make the playoffs. I think the Grizzlies are much farther ahead of where the T-Wolves are. But let's give Minnesota some credit for the jump that they made this year. That is that is incredible to see a team that was really a laughing stock last year become a, a, you know, a serviceable team this year. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember, but when right before the all-star game or it might've been a couple weeks before we did our all-star ballots and we both talked about Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. And I was like, well, like they don't get the the shine because they struggle. And I remember you started talking. I looked at the NBA standings. So I was like, Oh, Minnesota's the eighth seed. And I was like, I just thought Minnesota was terrible. And it's it's because no one talks about them for whatever reason. I mean, they're a really fun team. They have big personalities. I mean, Pat Bev, they won the playing game, and Pat Bev was at the press conference with a Bud Light, acting like he was Michael Jordan in 1996. I mean, that's a fun team. I know a lot of people were rubbed the wrong way. It's fun. That That's a team that they have personality. They know how big it is to win in Minnesota because it doesn't happen much. And uh, I, I think they're going to soak it all in. They're, they don't have many get more games to play, and that's all right because they're, they're running into a really good Memphis team. But uh, Minnesota deserves a lot more respect, and I, I think they're going to earn it uh, through their next four or five games. All right, that is going to do it from us at the Dylan and Dylan Show. DH, any final thoughts before we take off? I'd like to not thank my internet provider for all the problems it gave us during today's show. Hopefully you did not experience them listening to this. Um, I'm excited for the NBA playoffs to get started on Saturday. 
uh, the playing games tonight, as you're listening, if you're listening on Friday, uh, so much fun stuff going on. Talked a little baseball today. Obviously, baseball is getting in its group. We're going to be talking about a lot of baseball this summer, but NBA playoffs are back. I'm so excited to sit on my couch Saturday all day and just watch a million hours of basketball. The first day of the NBA playoffs is so similar to the NCAA tournament. And it's just, it's like the best thing in the world. It just, it makes you feel like that fuzzy feeling in your tummy. I'm so excited for it. I can't wait to watch a million hours of basketball and have baseball highlights pulled up on my phone. It's just, I'm a giddy, giddy boy right now. It's just, it's perfect. I'm excited. Sports are the best. All right. That is going to do it from us here at the Dylan and Dylan show. Here is where you can find us. You can find the show at Dylan and Dylan show at on Twitter and Instagram. You can find tunnel vision sports on Instagram at tunnel vision sports underscore on TikTok and Twitter at underscore TV sports on Facebook and LinkedIn at tunnel vision sports and on the web at TV Thank you so much everyone for listening in this week. Have a great rest of your weekend and we will see you all next week. Have a good one. 